Welcome to Scoop Du Jour, Joy Taylor. I'm so pumped to have you, a fellow South Floridian, but more than that, um, a host and personality. Right now you are on Speak on FS1. Um, you've been so many places. I can't wait to talk about all of your career stops. Um, you are a philanthropist, an advocate, um, and so many things. We will jump into all of them, but I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Let's... Um, Talk like through all of the, the things that you are and that you've done. I think your career journey is so fascinating because it started, like I said, in, in South Florida um, on the radio and you've worked your way like to this amazing space. So kind of take us through the trajectory and, and where you've been and where you've landed. So, I mean, I've been, I've done a lot of things, <laughs> been a lot of places, but uh, to kind of, uh, lay it out. I guess I started in South Florida, as you mentioned, at Barry University and in South Florida radio, interning at WQAM, 560QAM on the Joe Rose Morning Show. That was my first internship when I was at Barry University studying broadcast journalism. And I also started working on the student radio station at Barry, just hosting a, a student radio show there. I, I always knew I wanted to get into the personality side of the business. And at that time, at that time, a million years ago, um, but it was a long time ago and it, it was very different than it wasn't, you know, there weren't podcasts, there weren't shows like this, there wasn't access to really create your own platform. And particularly on the personality side, if you if you wanted a space to do that, radio was the best way to be able to talk. And I didn't really want to be a, a reporter or a traditional anchor. And so I, I was really drawn to radio early in my career because of that, because it was the early stages of YouTube and Twitter and Instagram. You know, Instagram was still like you could only post pictures and they had to have one of the weird filters and yeah. frames on it. You know, that, that was my, that was, I don't even know if it was like the end of college, but anyway, it was a long time ago. So that's why I wanted to get into the radio side. And it actually really benefited me throughout my career because I started as, you know, obviously an intern, you know, getting coffee and answering phones and, you know, printing stuff. But I also had the opportunity to learn how to do a show. My second internship was with DJ Laz when he was doing the morning show at Power 96 nice. in Miami. And I, I basically learned every part of putting together a show and being a producer, booking guests, coming up with you know show ideas, doing what social media we had at the time, um, you know, going to events, putting, you know, putting together stuff for sales. Like I, I learned really how to put together a show from both the sports side and the entertainment side. And now, you know, the, the two, those two entities really mix a lot more now than they ever have before. So I had a really great background and start in college with my internships and, and getting to work with both Joe and DJ Laz while I was still in school. And then I eventually got my first job at QAM as a part-time producer and worked there for a while, then worked at 790 The Ticket, obviously, as a producer, and then eventually the host with Zaslow and with, with Jonathan Zaslow for the Zaslow and Joy show. I also worked at CBS sports and freelanced and wrote and covered high school sports and youth sports and, you know, whatever else anyone would let me do while I was in South Florida. 
And then seven years ago, I came to Fox, came to FS1 and to Los Angeles and have gone through a bunch of different jobs and, and renditions of my career out here as well. Obviously starting on Undisputed, I did Fox Sports Radio for a little while um, at, the, at my start out here with FS1. I uh, had a digital show, had a Facebook live show, had my podcast for several years, um, did sidelines for the NFL, did sidelines for the big three, and uh, did play-by-play -play with Amazon Prime for Thursday Night Football. And I'm sure I'm forgetting some other stuff as well. I uh, had my own show last year with Fox Sports Radio on the weekends. Um, and also obviously worked on The Herd for three years before my show that I host now, Speak, which is weekdays, 4.30 Eastern on FS1. So that's kind of like the condensed version of my <laughs> resume, leaving out a bunch of other things. But um, it's been it's been a pretty wild uh, journey. I mean, I started in 2007, so I'm, I'm, I'm losing math here, but, you know, I've been in the business for quite a while and I've had a lot of different, um, you know, ups and downs and crazy experiences and great experiences, but I feel very, you know, very blessed to be able to work with the guys in the show now and, you know, be able to do what we do every day, which is what I wanted to do, which was give my opinion. Okay. That's what I picked up on that. You said, because you've, you've, worked with and work with people with a lot of opinions, but you mentioned you didn't want to be a reporter just kind of saying what was going on. You had your own take. So kind of talk to me about just being able to to have that. Where did that kind of confidence come from? Where did you know, when did you know that you wanted to be a personality versus an anchor reporter, kind of the traditional sports path that that I took or that so many people, especially women, take in sports? Yeah. I mean, I think because I've I've always looked at being a journalist or a reporter as a very specific job. And it's a job that I hold in very high regard that, you know, when people call me a journalist, I'm like, uh, I'm not really a journalist because I don't, I don't want my, the reason I push back on it is because what I'm saying is my opinion. Yeah. And I think it's very dangerous when people confuse someone's opinion with facts. Now, my opinion is based off of facts but I don't, my opinion is not the law. It's not, it's not the facts, you know, it's not the, the source. It is me reacting to what the work that other people have done or what I have watched happen. And I think there's a very big distinction between those two jobs. And, and it's, you know, particularly in sports, I mean, obviously we're not, you know, saving lives or anything, but there's the news environment that we live in today it's, I think it's very dangerous that people don't know the difference between, okay, this is just someone's opinion and this is the fact. And they're just reacting to what happens and, you know, don't skip that other step. So I never wanted the responsibility of having to get the story. Mm. And I, I consider journalists to be an essential part of the news process. And it's a big responsibility to be able to give the news in the most unbiased way possible, which I think is very necessary to like a functioning society. So climbing off the soapbox <laughs> there, um, I grew up in Pittsburgh. I, you know, I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is a very big sports town, as, as people know. And I didn't, I grew up around women who were very opinionated about sports. My grandmother and my aunts and my mother are very at, like, 
very big hardcore sports fans and they argue about it and they share their opinions and they watch all the games and that like that's what they do and so it's it's never been weird to me to be a woman who has an opinion and particularly a woman who has an opinion about sports and i played sports growing up and i you know come from very vocal family so i i've i've always had i think the uh, the desire to give my opinion. And then the education that I got in the business really helped me find my voice. And, you know, the, the reps that I had gave me the confidence to be able to share it. So going off of that confidence is a big part of it because when you're kind of the, the journalist, people come for you all the time, right? Oh, you know, you messed up the score, you messed up the stat, whatever. But when you have an opinion, people come for you big time. And you're really, I love that you are not ever afraid to be like, you know, you don't really like my take. I mean, it's, it's my take or you, you don't fight back, but you speak up kind of like your show is talk to me about that confidence and where I, does that come from your family or just years of practice? I think it comes from finding your voice. You know, I, I wasn't always as confident in what I was able to do or say through repetition, through you know, your experiences, um, you know, having an opinion about anything that you know about is, is not really difficult to do. I mean, that's, that's what we do. We watch something, we experience something, and then we form our opinion, but articulating that opinion is something different. Totally. And particularly when you're doing it live on television or live on the radio, you know, you can have this idea, like, I feel like this happened, but how do I explain that, you know, this call was the wrong call for third and one at this point in the game, how do I say more than just that was the wrong call or I don't like that call? And that is through preparation. So whatever kind of show you do, I mean, for this show, you know, you prepared to do this interview, you know, you knew things about me, maybe you looked something up or, you know, checked my social or whatever you do prep. Preparation is the biggest part of our business. If you don't prepare, you will fail. It's like a test. Essentially, we do an, an oral exam every single day for an hour and a half on TV. And we're presenting. <laughs> and that and that's what it is. So if you don't prepare, you're going to say things that don't make sense. You're not going to really have a strong opinion. And you're not really going to be backing any of it up with real facts or numbers or experiences or examples. And that's really learning how to prepare is very important. And different shows require different preparation. Sure. You know, you're not going to prep for to, to do play by play the same way that you're going to prep to do Undisputed or the, the same way you'll prep to do Heard or the same way you'll prep to do my show or podcasts or whatever. So that is really, that's the, the key, I think, to really feeling confident is, you know, being on TV or, you know, talking like that, you get better at that the more you do it. But with opinion, I think it's really important to not, not only study the people in the business who do it the best and see what they do, which obviously I've had the opportunity to work with, you know, some of the best opinionists in the business, but also finding your voice and being authentic to you is very important because I don't think that you can fool audiences. And it's also exhausting. Like, I don't want to play, I don't want to play a character, you know, I yeah. want to be myself and let my experiences shape my opinion. And like you said, you don't have to like my opinion. 
I don't care. I, it's it's not, I, I'm not giving it to you to like, I'm giving it to you to discuss. And that's what it is. And sometimes I'm right and sometimes I'm wrong. And sometimes it's just my opinion and it isn't a matter of right or wrong. It's just what I think about the situation. But in anything in life, you're going to have people that disagree with you. So, I mean, I don't, if you try and please everyone, it's going to be a very boring show. So I'm not trying to do anything but give my authentic opinion. But you can't be sensitive to the idea that people are going to disagree with you. What about when you, seven years ago, you get this call, you had been doing radio and in, in, in a big market, I mean, with a large audience, but then you get a call from Fox. I mean, that has to be life-changing as cliche as it is. What was that moment like when you were like, I'm, I get to go to LA and do this. I get to work with like these big time people. It was pretty crazy. I mean, I, I think when you get in the business, you have these lofty goals and ideas of things you want to do. And sometimes like in the back of your mind, you're like, is that ever really going to happen? You know, like, I think I'm good enough. And this is certainly what I want to do and what I aspire to do. Um, and it's also, well, it was a huge opportunity. I had never spent really any time in LA and I didn't know anyone in the city. And I was moving from the East coast where I'd lived my entire life to the West coast, which is very far. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even now, you know, I go to see my family a lot, but it's a five hour flight. You know, it's not a, it's not an easy uh, trip to get back and forth. So I was really changing my whole life and taking this giant step in my career as well. So it was a big personal change and professional change, but it's, there was a moment when I was um, auditioning for Fox because we work on the Fox Fox studio a lot. And I, I had, again, I hadn't spent a lot of time in LA. So maybe for people who live in LA, this isn't such a big deal, but you know, I'm used to driving up to the radio station every morning. Right. And now I'm pulling onto the Fox studio movie lot, like to audition. And that's that, that was the first moment that I was like, oh, okay, this is <laughs> a big deal. This is a little different. Like this is, this is big time. And I, you know, it's still, it's still very um, special to be able to do that every day. I don't, I don't take that for granted. It's, it's, it is like very grand for a reason and the, you know, the entrance to the lot and um, it's, it's a pretty crazy experience. It's, it's something I definitely never, never take for granted. That's so cool. I, I think I knew that, but like, you know, when you know those things and you put them in the back of your head, you're like, oh yeah, they film those big time shows and studio lots. But then you saying it reminded me of like, oh, they really do that. Um, well, some, like some, every studio is different. Yeah. So, you, you know, like the ESPN studios out here, they do like in their big studios mm -hmm. down, you know, by Staples and some, you know, they're all going to be in studios, obviously. Yeah. But, um, Yours is like near movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they're shooting, you know, they're shooting shows in sound stages across the lot, you know, like a couple feet away. So it's, uh, it is really like a good reminder every day. Take us through your day to day. So it, it's changed a lot. Every show is very different. This one is, is really unique because it's in the afternoon and I've done mornings for most of my career. Right. So um, now my whole, you know, life schedule is different. Like I can wake up in the morning and go to the gym. And then I do my, my prep, um, with my producer after I work out. And then I come in and do hair and makeup. We have another meeting 
um, just to restack the show. And, and then we do the show from, from one thirty to three. It's uh, it's obviously a little more complicated than that, but COVID has obviously changed a lot for the business and, you know, it, it, pre COVID, I think my schedule would be very different now that we know how much prep we can do, not in person together. It's changed a lot of people's schedules and how people can get things done too. You know, before I probably would have had to come in earlier, mm-hmm. be on the lot for much longer. I would have to, you know, get up earlier to work out and all, all these different things. But it's, you know, we've really, we've really kept some of the things for, that we had to change doing the show during COVID for, you know, the prep and, and, and schedule for the shows now. So it's in a lot of ways more efficient now than we were doing it before. So. Did you have a preference or do you have a preference of mornings and afternoons? I think for those who are unfamiliar, there's definitely like a different schedule. Like, I mean, working in sports and local news, like I would go in at 2 PM and I think people think that's crazy, but like, right. You have a whole day ahead of you, but then in the mornings you have your whole afternoon. So it's, it's definitely different ways of looking at it, but did you have a preference? I don't. Uh, I mean, early, early mornings, definitely not. Um, I loved my schedule on the herd because I would come in at seven. Oh, that's good. And be done at noon. So I'd have, you know, essentially the whole day. And then for on weekends, like particularly on Fridays, if I wanted to fly out, you know, to the East Coast, I could still, you know, get on a flight and get in on Friday night. But like, for during the week, this schedule, being able to get up in the morning, like go work out, you know, get anything I need to get done in the morning before coming in and still being done by three is also a great schedule. Yeah. Waking up at 3.20 in the morning is a little bit different. Was that the time you had to do for Undisputed? Yeah. So I'd have to come in at four in the morning and we would, I mean, we would be done at nine, but you know, it's four in the morning. So you just have to be a machine like basically Sunday night through Friday morning. Yeah. And I, I like, I wouldn't drink any alcohol during the week. I was in bed at 9 PM. Like if somebody was like, Oh, like, let's go to dinner. Like, cool. Like five 30. Yeah. Like, what are you, what are you a grandmother? I'm like, I'm not going to be out with you past eight o'clock. Like I'm going to be at home in my bed, like not getting ready for bed in my bed at 9 PM. Yeah. None of you are that important. I'm sorry. Like it's just because it was too, it was also, um, sorry, I have like a fuzzy on my lip. Um, it was also too big of a show, you know, like Uh we had so much going on. We had, you know, cameras up high and we had the steady cam walking around the whole set and, it have to be engaged for two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. And like, it just was not a situation where you could be in any way yeah. inhibited or off. So, you know, it was, it was just, I just had to be very focused and disciplined. Um, so I don't prefer that <laughs> that early, uh, but, but it was a great experience and it was really good for teaching me how to be in a routine for the show. So you mentioned, um, flying out to see your family and you've told us your family is very into sports, but, um, you, your, your last name kind of says it. we didn't really say that you have a pretty well-known brother, but I mean, you've made a, a quite the name for yourself, obviously. Um, but your brother is a pro football hall of famer, um, Jason Taylor. And, and you grew up playing sports. Your, your family did kind of talk to us about being in, in a family like that. I, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely, 
a blessing to be in this business and have a sports family. You know, yeah. it's, I, I don't, I would be very difficult to want to talk about sports every day or be as heavily involved in sports if my family wasn't into sports. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg. Like maybe I wouldn't have been into sports at such a young age if my family yeah. wasn't into sports. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, we've obviously been able to share some pretty amazing experiences. Both my nephews play division one football now also. So, you know, it's just, you know, continuing on as a generational thing, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. My, my younger brother played uh, college football as well. So it's, it's definitely, it's a part of who we are. You know, my mom is a big Cowboys fan. Um, that part she didn't pass on, but <laughs> <laughs> um, we're dolphins, I right? I mean, you root for the dolphins. Yes. Well, I'm. I I do both. I kind of uh, bandwagon both teams because I grew up as a Steelers fan, so I always, you know, root okay, for yes, the Steelers. Pittsburgh, but yeah. I would say, you know, I have a I have blood in the in the game for the Dolphins. Yeah. So, and, and I also covered the Dolphins, obviously, when I worked in South Florida for for many years. So, um, I had friends who worked for the organization, and and obviously Jason being there as well. And he is now with Miami. He's with the Hurricanes. Yes, he was a, a coaching analyst for the Hurricanes on uh, on Cristobal's staff this year. Yeah, and he was at my alma mater. I went to St. Thomas. I went to St. Thomas, um, which is where your nephews went, or one went. Because yeah, they both they both went to St. Thomas Aquinas, um, and and he was there for four years, I think. That's fine. Yeah. Um. I always keep up with St. Thomas and my family does because I went there still. And so one of your nephews had like a the like winning conversion over LSU uh, over Bama for LSU, right? Yeah, Mason. Mason is a true freshman tight end uh, yeah. for LSU. So he had his his first season there, and cool. he got a lot of playing time. And yes, he caught the he got the game winning uh conversion which was I was I was here in LA for it and was at a sports bar because the Canes were playing Arizona who Isaiah plays for was playing and oh Mason was playing all the same time so I was like all right I guess I have to go to a bar where else am I going to get all these screens yeah. on um so I was hysterical oh that's so it was, cool but it, you know he's he's a great kid they both are really hard workers and like love football so it was it was a really special moment, and I and I know my brother was on the sideline coaching when it happened because the game was going on. Oh. So it was, uh, yeah. He talked about it like being like a really emotional moment, but being able to watch it afterwards for him yeah. was really cool. But I, yeah, I got to see it live, and I lost my mind. Oh my god, that's amazing. Well, it's cool too, like just to obviously be able to like watch your like have weekends now too. Like you said, you worked so many weekends, and then you get to have the weekends off to see your family and to travel home. Um, and one of the things that I think is really cool, you mentioned, I, I do my research and on, on social and I do this for all my guests. Um, you have a really big and cool girl gang. And I think that's something really special. It's something I hold dear to my heart because my hometown friends are, are the best of them. Um, how do you manage those friendships from you're you're kind of coast to coast now, but, um, it's important, I imagine. So kind of talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I have I have a pretty big network of girlfriends and a, a really close group of um, of girlfriends, and we make a a really intentional effort to get together 
several times throughout the year. Obviously, I'm in Miami a lot, so I get to, you know, see them when I'm there to visit my family. But also my one of my closest friends, MJ Acosta, lives here in LA. So we're very lucky to be in the same city together. We we got to California at the same time because she left South Florida for San Diego. And so we've been on the West Coast together for about seven years and now been in LA together for a few years. So we have each other also. It, it's, you know, female relationships are very important to me, particularly ones that are in the business because it's a very unique business. And if you're, if you're not in it, it's not that you don't, you can't understand it, but you know, any, any business that you're in is going to have a different level of understanding. If you are, you know, a nurse, if you are, you know, you work in law, like you're going to have experiences that people who aren't in that field are not going to understand. And so we've really been able to stay very close and be, and it's amazing to have a support system like that of not just, you know, strong, accomplished women, but women who really understand what you're going through and are not working against you or, you know, trying to be, or are jealous of any kind of success that you have, but genuinely want you to win and are as happy for you when you win as, as you are. And I think one of the one of the big misconceptions about women in the business is that we're all very catty and petty and don't support each other and don't get along. And it's very like vicious and cat fights and it's just not accurate. And I mean, maybe that was the experience for uh, another generation, but you know, I'm 36. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of in, you know, in that category of, of people in the business who got into it really before social media took it over. F- Facebook started my freshman year of college. So I'm like the true <laughs> millennial, you know? And so we really come up in a space where we had to rely on each other. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really have uh, female mentors. A lot of my mentors in the business, almost all were men. And they were great to me and great for me, but it's different when you can speak to a woman about your experiences. And so, you know, my friendships to me are, are very, very important. They're very special to me. I I would have lost my mind many times without my, my girl group and girl groups. And, uh, you know, I, I just like also not purposely, but, I do think it's important to show women working together and supporting each other and letting that be the narrative rather than enforcing that we all hate each other and don't support each other. Obviously, when especially when you're young and you haven't really found your voice and haven't really found your place, I, I'm not going to sit here and act like I was always perfect with this. But I think once you really get into your true womanhood and you really understand life and and what matters and what doesn't and how people win, it's so important to encourage other people and to not try and stand in the way of their success because there just there is enough room for everyone. I know it's very cliche, but it there it there just is like there someone else's success is not taking away from yours. It just means this wasn't meant for you. And it's Mm -hmm. it always ends up being the right thing. 
if that's what you were really truly meant to do, it will come to you. That's just how it works. There's been opportunities that I thought were, you know, just a dream that didn't come to pass. And I'm like, wow, thank God yeah. I didn't, you know, take that. Thank God that didn't end up ha- actually happening because it would have blocked me from all of this other stuff. So, you know, I, I, I think that is a important mentality. I think it's important to encourage that, to teach that, to show that. And it's authentic. I mean, these are, these are people that I talk to all day, every day. And I'm sure you have group chats that are going off at, you know, all times of the day as well. But it's, I think it's important and, you know, we're all we got. So I hope people listening can like picture exactly like the groups you're talking about. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah. You know, you have your, I, I, my work friends from my first job and um, second job. And then my best, you know what I mean? Like we have these group, like you said, in groups. And I always also, I, I think too, as we get older, you know, Oh, I have enough friends. Like I, I like don't subscribe to that mentality. I just, I think, you know, I, there's, your circle can get smaller, but I'm never like, Oh, I don't need this other woman in my life or even this other friend, whatever he or she may be. Um, cause I think there's always space. And I think it's just like you said, I hope people are picturing those people cause you need them. And you talked about empowering other people, which is what you're doing with your foundation. Will you talk to us a little bit about that and how it came to be? So I did a lot of charity work in South Florida, um, a lot with my brother, also with um, women in distress. And I would, you know, host a lot of things, uh, Art Broward, a, a lot of, you know, just I enjoy being able to volunteer and host events and and give back. And when I came to L.A., I really wanted to try and find a space to do that out here, because obviously my network in Miami is very different than in this city. Um, so I, I also was kind of doing sort of isolated work with different groups. So I really wanted to find a way to streamline all of it and be able to, you know, deliver a, a message. And people would always be like, oh, like, you know, how can I help? Or like, I see you're working with this group. Like, you know, can I donate? So that's why I put together the foundation. And I also wanted to uh, be able to give back to students. So that's why I started the scholarship at Barry University as well, which, which we launched last year. So yeah, so the foundation works with uh, domestic violence awareness and survivors, uh, homelessness and youth empowerment. And we've partnered with um, some pretty amazing groups and do work to just, you know, support them, help them with fundraising, help them with events, help them with, you know, awareness and advocacy. And yeah, it's been great. It's, it's gotten a great response. We've, we've put together some, some pretty awesome, um, events and yeah, it's called the Joy Taylor Foundation. Yes. I was going to say, yeah, we have to say like the whole name. Um, so everyone knows what to do. Um, and where to go. Okay. Some fun questions, some rapid fire. What's like the coolest or best interview you've had or like coolest person you've gotten to interact with when you got to do like reporting, sideline reporting, coolest person you've had on your show, coolest person you've met? Um, it's, it's really tough. Cause we had, we had some pretty amazing guests in studio. Uh, I will say like one I was very, very excited about was Allen Iverson because I was a huge Allen Iverson fan growing up and I played basketballs from like fifth grade all through high schools. And I, at one point it was like, I am Allen Iverson. Like I would get straight back grades and have my, uh, you know, my elbow bands and the whole thing. Um, so Allen Iverson was really cool. I was, I was doing the big three league uh sidelines and got the chance to interview ai and he was great 
That's really cool. Um, what's the best part of your job? The best part of my job is the ability to really be uh, creative. There's there's a whole lot of, uh, there's a, I, I guess, basically a, a clean slate, a clean palette to work with every day, even if you're doing the same story because we do a daily show. So, you know, we might talk about the same story day in and day out. You really can create um, an entertaining product in new ways and you you don't do the show the same show every day. So for me, that's what keeps it like very exciting is I'm doing something different today. It's the same show, it's the same routine, it's the same place for hair and makeup, it's the same schedule, you know, but on air, it's a totally new show every single day. And that's that's really fun. Okay. So you have to talk to us about like hair and makeup because that's like a when you get to like the level you're at, it's kind of a cool and big deal. They get your hair and makeup done. So, what is like a tip or a trick that you've learned from your hair and makeup gals or guys that you've implemented when you do your own? Like, what's like a, something they've taught you? So, I am, I can do my own makeup, but not like they do. So, they're like the best professionals yeah. <laughs> in the business are we have union hair and makeup. So if you know anything about LA or like the Hollywood level of, of that, like it's not an easy thing to do. Like you have to get a union card and you have to work so many union jobs before you qualify for it. And it's like, so these are professionals yeah. we're working with and doing studio makeup. Like I have my makeup on from the show this morning. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it has a bunch. No, because they're like, less, I, I hope know, everyone watches instead of listens. Cause they have to <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, like if I did my own makeup, it would not look like this. It would look competent, but it's not gonna look like this. Um, I I would say the one thing I, I wish I could learn how to do my eyes, how they do it, because I feel like my eyes, I'm like, I, it doesn't matter what palette I buy. My eyes look exactly the same every single time. I'm like, are my brushes dirty? I don't understand it. No, I cannot I do eyeshadow. It just looks the same every single time. I, I would say the one thing I've learned uh, from both hair and makeup is hair and makeup that you do for outside or like to go to the club or, you know, to dinner or whatever. And the stuff that you do on set is very different. Oh yeah. Like the studio makeup has to look a certain way. It can't like, it's just going to be very obvious that you're doing like pageant glam, which looks incredible at a pageant or in photo shoots, but on set, I would look crazy. Right. So like, there's just very different types of makeup. And when we were obviously not in studio for several months during um, COVID, I had to like, really talk to them like, okay, like, what do we do? <laughs> how do you do this? <laughs> like, what is the technique? Um, but they're, they're really like the best. They are, they're so good. And we work together. I mean, our hair and makeup crews, but I've been with them for uh, six and a half years now with the same crew. So it, which is, which is such a luxury and so nice because it's not, I am not doing a runway show, you know, like this is a part of the process yeah. of doing the show. Like the men get hair and makeup too, obviously different, but they also go to hair and makeup. So this, right. is, this is a part of the TV aesthetic is hair and makeup. So it's part of our job because we are doing a visual, we're working on a visual medium. So to not have to stress about it and not have to do it yourself and be able to continue prepping for the show and 
you know, doing calls and, you know, reading articles and whatever while you're getting your hair and makeup done because you don't even have to think about yes. like they know what products to use. They know what you like, what you don't like. They know what, like, they just know what they're doing is, it's such a big stress relief. Um, and anyone who works in the business knows, like, that's just, it is a, it is a huge like deal. Just being able to arrive and them do it too, I bet. And then do you- do Oh yeah, I look like a gremlin when I roll up to work. I'm like, <laughs> I don't do anything. I put like some moisturizer on. I'm like, fix me. <laughs> do you style yourself? No. So we also have wardrobe, oh, amazing. which is amazing. Um, I do choose what we keep. Like they'll go and get oh, a big haul of clothes and we'll do uh, fittings. So I'll try on, you know, 40 different outfits or whatever. And we'll have the, um, love our lovely seamstress there. And if like, if I'm not really feeling it, then we won't keep it, but we'll, you know, keep what makes sense for the show. If it needs to be altered, it gets sent out. And then they have a wardrobe department there and they keep essentially like a closet for each talent. Oh, and yeah. And then they'll pull, you know, a week's worth or they'll pull something for the day steam it, have it in the room, and then they keep track so that we won't wear the same outfit, you know, like within two weeks or or whatever. So they're like, they're incredible. So we're- Do you get to keep anything? Very spoiled. No, no, they keep everything at work. Oh. Like it's, 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 it's mine, fine. but like it stays at work. Yeah. Got it, got it, got it. Oh, that's like another amazing thing that you don't have to worry about. And you can have like your separate clothes, like, you know, spend your time, energy, and money on fun clothes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, it's, it's nice. Like not having to worry about what you're wearing that day. Yeah. It just, it just eliminates. You I'm, focus I'm, on the job. Yes. You focus on the job because yeah. <laughs> these are things you need for the job, but they're yeah. not, if you're spending time worrying about what you're going to wear or what your hair and makeup looks like, or doing it yourself, that just takes energy and time away from doing the show. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously every place doesn't have, uh, you know, the budgets for that, but it does make a huge difference in what you're doing. Cause I'm a very Steve jobs esque type of person. Like I like to park in the same parking lot, parking spot every day, like leave at the same time. I eat the same thing for breakfast every day. Like I'm just like a very routine person and in, in trying to eliminate extra choices that don't require creativity so that I can save all of that for the show. So if every day I'm like, I don't know, do I want avocado toast today or an eggs Benedict? Or maybe I'm in the mood for oatmeal. Like it's just like extra energy you're spending on something that just, I, I get, okay. It's, it's spinach and eggs every day. Like that's what I'm eating. Okay. Yeah. So you mentioned breakfast. T- tell us your morning routine. I do uh, a coffee that I make here at the house. I do once a week splurge on a, a, a Starbucks. Okay. Not that I'm like anti Starbucks or anti Dunkin' or anything. Like I know yeah. it's not that serious. I just don't like having to make an extra trip. Yeah. yeah. Like if I'm like walking past it after I go to the gym or something, like I'll pick one up. But um, usually I just make one here and then I make myself breakfast. I'll make spinach and eggs or, you know, if I have turkey bacon, I'll, I'll toss that in there. But it's, I, I eat eggs every single day. Yes. Like I cannot. Every day, seven days a week, <laughs> every single day I eat eggs. It is the perfect food. I couldn't, I would lose my mind if I like, I could had to stop eating well, eggs. Well, and so. like now they're like hard to get your hands on. So I know. Hopefully I bought two dozen that. the other day. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> eat them. 
It's I, I I have a problem. Like I don't have an addictive personality, but I just I love eggs. I literally eat eggs every morning. I mean, could be worse choices. I guess I don't I don't care. I don't I need them. No, <laughs> they I like mean, become such a part thing. of my life. I'm like this is this is my routine. Okay, so eggs. What do you have a workout of choice? You so I've been doing a lot of Pilates lately, mm-hmm. which I really love. I I fought Pilates for a long time because of all the equipment and the such, mm-hmm. but I I've gotten into it lately and I I really like it. So I've I've been been crushing a lot of Pilates. I'm not a big like sweater. That stuff's yeah. behind me. <laughs> I can't do like the hit workouts or like the heavy lifting i'll mix in a boxing class once a week just you know just to push myself a little bit but i don't want to be dying sore or pouring sweat or just like i'm not trying to do all that i'm i'm gonna do a little elliptical for some cardio and and do pilates and and that's all i got in me anymore nice and so you'll wake up i'll do all of this before you go in yeah yes yeah good call um what else it was always harder for me to go to the gym in the afternoon after the show because you're just, you know, this, like when you're done talking for the day, it is like, yes, you know, and then you have to get energy to go to the gym and that would be difficult for me. So I like getting it done in the morning and your makeup's done. So you can't mess it up. Yes, exactly. So like you have to, you know, do it while it's not done. What else do you like to do outside of work? Um, I mean, I'm like a pretty outside person. I, I, I like to do a long dinner. I can't really rage the way that I used to, mm-hmm. which is a good thing, I suppose. <laughs> but um, LA is not really like a big party city. Okay. Uh, well, at least not once you get to a certain age. Like it's okay. just not. But I feel like a lot of cities, I think Miami has changed a lot in that way also that I think yeah. I find there's more like supper clubs and yes lounges and like cute bars it's not so much about you know popping bottles and throwing ones in the air which I have no problem with (laughs) I've done many times but I you know I just like to go to like a really long dinner have some wine yes maybe a cocktail afterwards and then you know call it a night so I'll do that I love to travel I'm a big big traveler so we don't go anywhere during football season because it's just it's that's our, that's our high season. But, you know, once the season's over, I usually get away for a couple trips and then, you know, finish basketball season out and then travel a lot during the summer. But I, I really love to travel. Do you have a favorite spot you've been? So uh, last summer I did Spain and Morocco. Oh, amazing. And Spain was incredible. We did Barcelona and Madrid and we did Casablanca and Marrakesh. So nice. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a pretty amazing trip. Uh, Marrakesh was pretty amazing. It's not the easiest place to get to, but it is so worth it. Especially I really love completely like getting into a culture and Marrakesh, Casablanca was amazing, but like still, you know, the water and everything. Marrakesh is in the desert it's we've like rode camels and so cool. stayed in the this insane hotel um do you watch uh inventing anna did you watch that show oh yeah the hotel yes. I, I didn't see it but they everyone tells me that's the hotel the um La okay yeah. so you were like you like had a great trip then yeah it was that show it was incredible um yeah and then i'm doing london and dublin uh, in the Fine. spring and 
going to South Africa this year also. So Okay, that's a, a bucket list trip for me. Yeah. One of my coworkers got just got back from South Africa. Um, and I really want to do that. Do you have like um a trip you haven't booked yet, but that you like really want to go on? I do want to get to Asia. I haven't gotten to Asia yet. So now since I'm on the West Coast, it's a little easier. Yeah. Than the whole like, you know, 20 hour flight. So it's it's I'm gonna try and get to and try to get to Tokyo this summer also before the football season starts. We'll see if we can sneak it in. But yeah, I definitely want to get to Asia also. What else is on your 2023 bucket list? Just in general. Um I have some I have some projects that I'm working on that that I'm excited about. Um not ready to share yet, but that I'm that I'm working on. A good teaser. Yeah. I think for this year Every year at the beginning of the year, I don't, I don't do a, um, new year's resolution because I never keep them, but I do try to set an intention. I pick an intention word for the year to just kind of revisit as, as a, as a goal, but also just something that I want to refine in myself and apply to what I'm doing. So last year I didn't do so great with it, but I, it was, it was discipline. And this year it's, um, intention. So I I really want to be more intentional with my time, more intentional with, you know, social media, more intentional with business and with relationships and just, you know, really give time to things. Uh, One of the things that I, I definitely took out of the pandemic was all of the rushing around and things that we do. And the busy stuff that just kind of went away after all of that. And it's, I feel like that's starting to pick up again. And I I really want to remember to enjoy things. It's, it's really easy to gloss over accomplishments and gloss over moments and, you know, just kind of, you're just kind of going and you don't take a beat to be like, oh, this is what I'm doing now is pretty cool. And what I'm doing here is pretty amazing. And these people in this moment is pretty special and we're never going to be here again. So let's just, you know, kind of breathe it in, not on some like, you know, anything extra, but I'll look back on things. I'm like, I don't even have like a real memory of that because it was all just going so fast. So I I really want to be more intentional this year about, about those things. I love that. That's such good. You've sprinkled in a lot of really good advice throughout this whole show, but do you have a, a best piece of advice you've ever gotten or a piece of advice you offer? Yeah, I think the best piece of advice that I've ever gotten, it is the most important piece of advice that I've ever gotten because I was at a very bad place in my career and personally, and I was just kind of spiraling, trying to you know, just latch on to anything solid. And I was being kind of a little brat and just complaining a lot and really being a victim. And uh, a very successful friend of mine was listening to me complain. And he was like, just, just stop talking for a second. What is something that you want for yourself in the next two to three years. It can be anything. It it can be a car. It can be a man. It can be a job, you know, which is just something that you want for yourself. And I was like, well, I want to be full-time on air 
like with my own show in the next two to three years, whether it's radio or television. And this was before I had the, the radio show. This was before I even actually got my part-time job at the radio station. And he was like, okay, great. That's a great goal. It's like, it's a great thought, something that you want. How much of your energy are you putting towards making that happen? And I was like, I don't know, like maybe 10%. Like I don't have a job. I'm sleeping on my friend's couch. I am fighting with my family. Like I just got out of this awful relationship. Like, just like, da, 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 da. I don't know. I'm not really like thinking about how to make that happen right now. And he was like, well, why are you surprised that it's not happening? 10% is not a lot. It's barely anything at all. And I, I don't know if it was because everything that was happening or I was just like at that point in life or it was just, but it was my light bulb moment. And I was like, that's actually a very good point. I really don't, I'm not applying anything or any effort or any time or any energy at all towards any of my real goals. I'm just kind of swimming around treading water right now. And why would that come to me? So it's just like anything else in life. If you want to get in shape, we all know you have to work out and eat good. We all try to get around it, <laughs> but that's just the only way you got to do it. And if you want to learn a new language, you have to study and you have to speak it and you got to do it every day and you've got to try and you're going to fail a little bit. And then you got to go back and learn it again. And then you have to apply yourself. You have to put your energy into making it happen. If you want to graduate college, if you want to, you know, raise a family, anything that you want to do with your life, you have to put your energy into it. And energy is a specific word because it's not just, okay, I'm going to buy this, or I'm going to talk about it, or occasionally I'm going to jump on the treadmill. Energy is a mentality. It is a, it is a embodiment of what you want. So when people say like, oh, you, you attract what you put out, you know, like things come to you as you, as you desire them, as you put out, watch, watch what you say, watch how you think, watch what you do with your time, because that's what you're, that's what you're directing yourself towards. So all, there's all these different like quotes and stories and stickers to apply to a really simple concept that if you want something, put your energy towards making it happen. And it might not happen on your timeline, but it will eventually happen because that's that's what you're working towards. That's what you're giving out to the universe. So it's it's always been something that I've kept with me. And anytime I feel like I'm kind of wandering or I'm, you know, frustrated that something's not happening for me, I revisit that conversation because it's the truth. And anytime that I have put hundred percent of my energy into something happening. It, ha it happens. It's just, it's not, life is not a vending machine, but it's just, it's just the concept of the world. Like this is how it works. If you want to save up for something and you are intentional about doing extra work and saving your money and your, your energy is not towards spending that money on partying or going out, like you are, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is. Energy is very important and using energy in a a slothful way or just not being intentional about your energy will take away from the things that you want. And it's, it's not that easy. It's not just a switch you flip, 
but it is something that only you can control. So that was, that was the most important piece of advice. I'm sure I've gotten better advice <laughs> that I ignored, but I listened to that advice and it came to me at the right time in the right moment. And I think it's, I think it's important for everybody and whatever, you know, part of your journey or your experiences are to, to own your own role in your story, you know, cause it's, it's very easy to get distracted by people that hurt you or people that stand in your way or discourage you or bad things happening. And it can, it can really drown you if you focus on it too much. So it's a, it's a perseverance mindset that will really steer you in the right direction every time you revisit, at least it has for me. Yeah, that's so good. Do you remember like when you got that advice, just you said it's not immediate, but like in that moment, did you change something or were you just like, I got to like, yeah, I got after it the next day. I got got after it the next day. I got my life together the next day. Um, It didn't come together the next day, but I was like, okay, we're done. We're doing something. We're done with the whole pity party thing. I, I, I don't like to, I don't like to sit in what, what I, what's happening for too long. You know, I, I grew up in an abusive household. So there were so many things as a young person that were outside of my control that I just developed a a coping mentality that when I had the ability to control things that I would, and that doesn't, I mean, that doesn't mean anything. You're still, still things are going to happen to you, you know, but I think for me, my way of dealing with it is, you know, to take my time to be sad and take my time to mourn or deal with grief or deal with the pain or, you know, trauma or whatever it is. And then I try to apply what I've learned and, you know, I failed many times. And I'm sure I will again, <laughs> but I, I don't want to, you know? So I think that is, has, what's really helped me and my journey is wanting to, or, or at least trying to learn from every experience, if that makes sense. And that was kind of the spark plug for your foundation and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been a big part of my, my career, um, I like to, I like to live, I guess, (laughs) you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to experience everything. Uh, And, and sometimes there's, there's bad experiences and that's, that's what it is. But being able to, you know, give back, you know, be a mentor, whether it's the foundation or whether it's, you know, working with other women or, you know, needing, needing help myself from, from those women from, you know, at times is, uh, is really important because, you know, we all need help. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's so many like good nuggets. I feel like I could just like keep picking your brain all, all night, but, um, I know you've had, had all, all day doing stuff and, um, there's so many things I'm trying to think if there's anything else I haven't asked you. Um, but I've touched on everything. Where can everyone find you and keep up with well, all things Joy Taylor. <laughs> um, you can follow me on social media at Joy Taylor Talks. And uh, it's the same across all the, the platforms. And the show is weekdays on FS1 from 4.30 p.m. Eastern to 6 p.m. Eastern. 
and we'll be at the Super Bowl this year if you guys are in Arizona. So you can come by and uh, be a, a guest in the Fun. in the audience if you're in Arizona. And yeah, just follow me and I will I'll keep you updated. Who's your Super Bowl pick? Well, I don't know, um, to be honest with you. I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to wait until the, the championship weekends. Cause there's okay. still so much that could happen <laughs> this weekend, but I do think we're very lucky with the teams and the, uh, the, the talent that's left in, in this divisional round. We have, we're going to have a great Super Bowl no matter who comes out of it, out of it, which is, which is not always the case. There's, there's usually no, a couple of teams where we're like, Oh, that one that's might not be that exciting, but I think, I think we're going to get a great, a great matchup this year. That's true. It's it's cool that you get to go. That's um, definitely an awesome gig. And I, I know you don't take it for granted. So um, that's really cool. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your insight, your advice, your um, all the little nuggets we learned about your day to day. I find so fascinating. I hope everyone else does too. Um, and thank you just for being a part of Scoop to Door. It's been a blast having you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Bye.